Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Wow. We have the most dominant game in a long time to talk about in terms of Virginia Tech winning on the dominant side. With Virginia Tech's win over Georgia Tech over the weekend, we were both there for that. We'll both be in town here for this Pittsburgh game, which is looming very, very large in the Coastal Division. We'll get into that. We'll talk about uh, some other issues along the way and topics, um, including the offensive line, uh, Bud Foster, Senior Day, and we'll get out of here with our predictions. Mike, um, I think you know you you predicted a blowout last week, but not quite this hefty of a blowout. I don't think anybody p- predicts uh, a goose egg really uh, against anybody. Uh, but that's what happened. Forty-five nothing. Virginia Tech wins it. Your overall impressions on what we saw in Atlanta? Uh, yeah, they were rolling. I mean, you know, I think you can when you point to the fact that the starters were out of the game with about ten minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, things are going well. Um, you know, it was stunning to me that, you know, Fuente's like, yeah, we're good. This is over. <laughs> this is over. Yeah. With you just I mean, you know, it, it really was. Um, but it just shows you, you know, this thing was, was wrapped up. Um, and everything was rolling. I mean, you know, the offense, uh, not, not gaudy numbers necessarily. I mean, they ran a ball for 258 yards. Hennon Hooker was 9 of 13, 159 with touchdown. But, I mean, just efficient. Uh, every time they had the ball, you know, really moved it. Um you know, they got kind of good plays from everybody. I mean, they spread the ball around. Almost 10 different guys carried the ball. Um, you know, offensively, it was just kind of a well-put-together game plan. And then defensively, uh, d- you know, no triple option, uh, no hope. Uh, it was just, um, you know, Georgia Tech just didn't have the weapons. They just didn't have the, the firepower to kind of create havoc or open things up and, you know, when you have a simplified, scaled back kind of offense, that's, uh, I mean, what Bud Foster is not gonna. That that's just too easy, right? I guess. Yeah, and we talked about it on the little video we did at the stadium. But look, <laughs> Georgia Tech's not good right now. That's obvious. That's apparent. They're going to be good again someday. Uh, and so you take these opportunities when you can. And the fact that this was so decisive matters because the other times teams Tech has played teams that were quote-unquote overmatched, they didn't overmatch them. They didn't overmatch Furman. They didn't overmatch uh, Rhode Island. They didn't overmatch Old Dominion. Old Dominion is 1-9. and nine. I mean, they haven't won uh, anything since no, – uh, Old Dominion's not very good. They're, they're very bad. Uh, you know, and uh, Rhode Island's, I don't think, very good. And Furman is, is good for their level. But that's still, you know, that's still a team you should stomp if you're Virginia Tech. So they've been building towards this. This has been a gradual process of of, of better and better results, and it all came together in, in one fine day. Uh, one in, fine in, day. In, that's in what Atlanta. fans will call it. Um, you know, it's funny. We were talking um, uh, during the game. I asked, uh, you know, had you ever seen a kind of game like this uh, recently? Because, um, you know, I'm, on my two years on the beat, there's been nothing mm-hmm. approaching. I mean, William and Mary, sure, but, I mean, that doesn't count. But you said UNC a couple of years ago, this felt like. Um, yeah. And that was a Fuente, that was Fuente's first year? Uh, second year. Second Tw- year. 2017, uh, they had beaten UNC down there in 2016 in that hurricane condition, in those hurricane conditions. Uh, UNC fans and some of the, you know, the, they had complained that, oh, 
you know, if if it had been good conditions, we, our passing game would have been good, and you would not, never have done this to us. Well, then Virginia Tech wins. I think it was something like fifty-two to seven or something in Blacksburg on a beautiful day. And of course, every player that comes in is mentioning it was a glorious day out there today, wasn't it? And how about that weather out there? Uh, but that was one of those games that everything came together. They, you know, UNC was overmatched. They were bad, uh, and Virginia Tech just, you know, they were. There was a pick. I think there was a pick six. I think there was a punt return for a touchdown. Of course, we saw Farley uh, return a, a pick for a touchdown in this game on Saturday. So that and I actually mentioned that game earlier this season when I wrote about the North Carolina uh, game going into the North Carolina game. Of course, Tech was coming off their their loss to Duke, or no, they were coming off their win against Miami. And I was writing about how they hadn't had a game at home. Where people could really where people celebrate. were happy, yeah, yeah and so, and that yeah, was the game yeah, I referenced was the last one I could really remember that uh, they they beat a Power Five opponent uh, just into the ground, into the dust, and and you just you walk away from there. And it was my column on Saturday was basically there ain't nothing to criticize here. You know, like, there's always something to nitpick. It seems, but in this case. Uh, everything from coaching to executing to uh, the way you handled your substitution patterns, all that stuff was done, I thought, flawlessly. Well, then, you know, it's encouraging, too, with the backups. You know, a lot of times you lose a shutout at the end because, you know, Georgia right. Tech went to backups, too, but it gets sloppy. They don't make plays. But, I mean, Alan Tisdale had two sacks. Uh, he had pass breakups from, like, every corner that played. Um, Quincy Patterson had that long touchdown. Or, I mean, yeah, long touchdown to Keyshawn King. Um uh, or long throw, long throw to Keyshawn King, and then and then they ran it in. But um, you know everybody was kind of doing something. Caleb Stewart had some carries late, and he hadn't played since Duke, and he helps them run out the clock. Uh, small things, you know, and then that's um, I, I think just builds confidence. You know, Fuente pointed that out that he was really happy with how uh, energetic the sideline was in that second half after the starters came out. You know, the starters didn't just go sit down and kind of bask in the glory of. of kicking kicking the uh, Yellow Jackets teeth in they kind of were out on the sidelines cheering for Quincy Patterson cheering uh, for the defense and, and you know uh, that's kind of a good transition for this uh, question shutout you know the defense it really did seem to matter to them that they finished that out uh, obviously with Bud Fostering retiring this was sort of a, he called it a feather in his cap um, just another kind of you know statistic number that you know just keeps adding up for him during his long career you know, with the shutout, is it a big deal? Is it no deal? Is it, you know, is it somewhere in between? You know, I, I think with a Power 5 opponent, you have to kind of factor that in because, you know, you don't get credit for shutting out Furman, even though they didn't. But, I mean, I'm just saying a team on that level. But with a Georgia Tech, um, what do you think? I think I've mentioned this before on here that Robert Anderson, when he does his, uh, Virgin, or his very accurate uh, varsity you know, high school uh, predictions every week. He does a very popular prediction column for every high school game in the area. He never predicts a shutout, ever, because he al he'll always give – even if a team's on a 30-game losing streak, he'll give them six points because – and he ends up being right because shutouts are almost impossible to predict. And something's going to happen, a fumble or, a, you know, some weird play, uh, especially in college when you got kickers who can, you know, tack on three uh, easily, you know, if you, if you stall in the red zone. So – uh, yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal, and, and Bud Foster mentioned it, you know, the fact that you just don't see it that often in this day and age. It's hard to do no matter who you're playing, no matter how good you are or you think you are as a team. Um, and, and it couldn't be a better <laughs> stage setter for our special section on Bud Foster, which is coming out on Saturday. Ding, ding, there's our plug. Uh, you're going to want to check this out. Uh, I know there might be a little bit of Bud Foster fatigue because there's been a lot of talk about him um, this season. 
but I, I'm thankful that they had a good performance defensively for, for the sake of the section because uh, the section's really good. You did a lot of work. Uh, you, you cranked out a lot of copy for that. Um, I wrote a couple of columns for it. We ran some, some stuff from the archives that I thought worked very well. Mark Berman did some very fine stories talking to rival coaches about, you know, what it was like to face Bud. Um, so, I mean, this – this is not Bud Foster Day. That was two weeks ago. But this is his last home game, and um, it's kind of a fitting opponent for, for him in this game. I mean, you think of Pittsburgh, and I've talked to Bud about this before, but he kind of looks a little bit like Bill Cowher. You know, he kind of fits that – when they've gone up to Pittsburgh, he's, he kind of fits that lunch – you know, the whole lunch pail, everything else just – makes sense uh, with Pittsburgh and that's how Pittsburgh plays they're a rough and tumble bunch and and they're passing it more this year but they're still I think Bud still views them as a uh, sort of a smash mouth type of team yeah and um he you know Pittsburgh was one of those jobs where uh he almost took I mean that was one of the closer head coaching jobs that he kind of got down the line on um and uh you know that's a team that they've kind of had huge battles with well when was the um the uh, goal line stand what was that seventeen or sixteen? Seventeen, right? Seventeen. Yeah. Um, that was because it was at yeah, home. Yeah, odd years. Yeah, so it's so at home. So, uh, and, and you know, and coming off, uh, you know, you talk about the last two games have been um, two of uh, Foster's sort of better performance uh, with this young defense the last two years. Um, uh, last year um, uh, was one of the worst performances they've had. Um, in general, I mean, 52 points they gave up to Pittsburgh, uh, their running backs, um, I mean, just demolished uh, Virginia Tech. So, um, you know, Caleb Farley said they, they were really dying to get their hands on some yellow jackets. Um, I would imagine they're, they're wanting to get some Panthers, too. Yeah, they've made no secret that last year, I mean, this is sort of a redemption tour now that they feel like they're capable of, of actually <laughs> asserting themselves against some of these opponents. Everyone that beat them last year, they'd like to uh, exact some revenge upon. And, uh, look, I, they have an opportunity to do that here. It's it's going to be tough. I'm going to write about the offensive line on Saturday because uh, I've been very impressed, as young as they are, when you look at the – when you look at that group, and I know you, you know you've you've touched on the depth when you talk with uh, Vance Vice, the offensive line coach, and with Bu- or with um, Cornelson and everybody else that uh, deals with those guys. But uh, I'm just impressed that you know they're third in in the conference in rushing now, and that's a lot of that has to do with Hinden Hooker being the quarterback. That's that's those are conference games only. Excuse me, I'm not really expressing myself very well here today, but. In conference games only, Virginia Tech is third in rushing behind Boston College and Clemson. That's really good compared to what they were. I mean, they and and I think it all starts there. And and the offensive line, you know, Lasita Smith came in there after the Duke loss. He was one of the unfortunate few who had to come in and speak to us after that game uh, the following week. And he really seemed to have a good idea of where they wanted to go, even though they weren't there yet and they weren't even taking a stride in that direction yet. But uh, he was back in there talking to us this week, and you know he, he talked about the preparation and how that's changed, and he's talked about the attitude and how that's changed, and how how he specifically him as a, as a redshirt sophomore now, um, you know he's not questioning anything when he when he gets the call and goes into the line of scrimmage, and he's he's so confident in what he's doing now that he can even 
tell everybody else what they need to do, which is something that every cohesive offensive line needs. You need a player like that who can sort of bark out the instructions to, for, for everyone next to him. Um, they've been playing really well. Uh, there's freshmen on this squad. I mean, how good do you think they could be? I mean, I asked, I asked Lacetus this because I'm like, look, you got, you know, some true freshmen on this line in this rotation. Um, do you guys ever talk about just the fact that if we stick together and we keep improving, we could be really dumb. They're all 315 pounds. They're, they don't need physical maturation. What, what, what do you think of their uh, uh, ceiling, I guess? Well, their ceiling's high. I mean, look, they had a guy that the starter on the bench, really, and Brock Hoffman that they thought was going to just come in and, and, and be the guy at center. Or, I mean, he could move at guard. I mean, Vance Weiss said he's playing for the scout team on, on every position. Um, and, you know, Luke Tenuta, Silas Danzi were rotating. Austin Cannon and uh, Doug Nestor have been rotating. So, I mean, that's not just six, a front six. I mean, you're talking – or front five. I mean, you're talking – seven eight nine guys right now um and that's a really good problem to have and he's playing them and so the idea is hopefully you don't lose any in the offseason because i mean they're all young so i mean you know why transfer i mean you're you're getting a shot you're 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 i mean the numbers uh for the last five games over 220 yards eight touchdowns rushing touchdowns the last two games um uh and they've been fantastic and so you kind of think like man uh, now because i mean the only thing they were missing was experience with the two freshmen uh, and a redshirt freshman who had never started christian darsow you know quietly putting together you know kind of i think an all-conference type of season uh at left tackle um and you kind of say like you know this group's only going to get better um and you know i think the only thing holding them back was, was like i said they just didn't you know as freshmen you don't know what you don't know and so i think that they need those games and you know there's been some snap issues there's been some things that have come up they're not perfect um but i mean you know almost three three, three fifths of their line is only seven six games into their career so i mean you got to feel good uh about where they're at and you know we'll see this was honest when he came up last month and said you know hard smart tough is our, our motto and we're about the opposite of that and, and i think he enjoyed um coming back up and saying you know i think we found it you know because uh uh, it, that's tough and like you said he was put out there after that Duke game and um, you know credit to him he's he's very articulate in the sense where he kind of um, gives examples of things mm -hmm. that, that they fail at that they succeed at that they're you know and so he he really kind of put it into context and it was kind of a you know 180 from where they were a month ago and, and we talked to Vance Vice too um, and obviously he was in a good mood and, and why shouldn't he be uh, about their performance and that's the thing you know, when you look at this hokey turnaround it's not just the results. Of course, the results are the most important thing. But even if you look at that Notre Dame game that they lost by one point, um, you kind of like for for those of us who've been following this program for a very long time, they look more like Virginia Tech. You know, like there's there's a running aspect to their their play. There's a toughness to their play. The defense is swarming. The defense is creating turnovers. The defense is uh, you know doing all sorts of damage in the backfield. It looks like Virginia Tech football, and that was just in. And, and look, uh, Justin Fuente was pretty uh, open about it early in the season. He says we don't really have an offensive identity. They didn't. Um, and, and to be honest, they didn't really have much of a defensive identity either. They were, you know, almost playing scared in a lot of ways. And now they're attacking like they, they used to do on defense. They're attacking at the line of scrimmage on offense, and they're, you know, they're trusting their, their offense to run the ball. I mean, there was a fourth and one – uh, at the five-yard line on Saturday, pretty fairly early in that game, 
uh, Justin Fuente didn't flinch. I mean, offense stay out there. You know, we're not going to ch- take the chip shot field goal. We're going. We're going right up the middle. And, and they. Well, scored. I think there was a couple calls early in that Duke game where he had third and short or fourth and short, and then just it wasn't even a question. We just were just going to be conservative. And his yeah. play calling has been much more aggressive. Wake last week, he said with their offense, he thought we just needed to be aggressive, but that stuck. He stayed with it. Yeah. Um. And and you know they're not. Um. I I just don't I mean you know. I asked him what the, the kind of the what they missed with Hendon Hooker and he wouldn't really talk about it, you know, about fall camp and things like that. But I mean I think having him has sort of given them confidence that they can really do some things that they couldn't and open up the playbook, especially in those third and fourth and shorts where they feel much more confident about picking up a yard and it sounds silly, like you shouldn't you be always confident, but I mean this team was not feeling very good about the offense through that first four weeks of the season. I'm guessing Michael Vick holds the record for most consecutive victories at quarterback to start a career as a starter, Uh, you know, because he he won all those games in 99 before they finally lost in the BCS title game. But, I mean, Hooker's 5-0. He'll be favored to go 6-0 this week, probably a coin flip against Virginia the week after that. I mean, the guy is already putting together a a very fine resume as a a quarterback, and we've talked a lot about Hendon on here. We don't need to – we need to go over it all again, but just the difference he's he's made has been pronounced, and it's it's really picked up every other facet of the game as well. Um, all right, let's get in. Let's dive into Pittsburgh a little bit here. Before we do that, let's let's mention it's it's Senior Day. Uh, it's not it's a big Senior, senior Day. day. No. Uh, Reggie Floyd, Ryan Willis, uh, uh, Terrell Smith, sort of with an asterisk. You know, he I, I think he'll be able to try to apply for maybe a possible redshirt. Um, but I don't, we don't know if that's what he's going to do or plans on doing uh, medically but just because he didn't play enough games. Um, but I, I don't know if his plans are to go through senior day or not. And then uh, Ishmael Cisse and then uh, uh, Bud said Daniel Griffith is also going to go through it. Quillen too, right? And Quillen too. Quillen. So um, five or six guys. Um, <laughs> you know, you said last year, man, that's a small senior class. And yeah. that's, now it's even smaller. So um, speaks to a lot of, you know, the, the bad thing is, is you kind of and I think you saw it, you take lumps without leaders. You know, you right. take you, you don't know how to deal with adversity and it takes time. I mean, the last two years has basically been like a crash course and like how to mentally handle a lot of this stuff. And now they've kind of got it. And now you, the, the positive, once you get through it or if you can get through it, because um, I think fans are ready to th- kind of throw the team just and say, just quit, just get out of here. Um, but now they're through it. Now you have a team that has going to return basically everybody next year. So, um that that's the good and bad, I think, of that small senior day for a second year in a row. You know, it'd be interesting to look around the the nation and see what the size of senior classes are everywhere. Because with transfers, um, yeah, of course, when you transfer as a, like a Ryan Willis type, I mean, you are having a senior day, so eventually you have a senior day, I guess. Uh, so maybe it wouldn't change that much, but it just you know, obviously, the, the amount of people who go from day one to the fourth year or fifth year with the same program and and you know they leave uh, as beloved seniors you know it's just it's just dropping because well it has and, and for venue to attack people say all the transfers but i mean it did the nfl attrition that one year with Edmonds and and the, the brothers and 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 yeah. you know that that did take its toll sure that was part of the combination so it is it's not just the bad type of attrition i mean they had i mean they lost some guys the draft that they really weren't expecting or hoping to get another year out of that's why last year's class was so small this was you know there's been some discipline issues i mean 
they don't shy away. I mean, they've had some. Uh, it's kind of like that perfect storm. And, you know, a lot of times you get that with coaching changes, like right off the bat, like right the next year, next two, year, you know, year two. This is a little delayed, but, um, you know, it's tied directly to that. I mean, they just had this is when kind of the turnover happened for that roster. Um, you know, and so, uh, like I said, I think they're kind of through the, the, uh, the, the, the cloudy skies here now, finally, and kind of can enjoy this. Um, you know, only one starter on senior day or one really major contributor. Um, they'll enjoy that next year, I think, with a veteran team. You know, it's a good thing to, that, that, that you have that veteran. The, all those veterans now kind of ready to rock and roll. Definitely, definitely. Well, the line is four. Pittsburgh is the underdog. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, started I, at one. I think we should mention it's now uh, up that, to four. That surprises me. I thought it would be higher than that. I did. I thought it'd be closer to a touchdown, something in the six neighborhood. But uh, I guess I just being being up close and watching these last few weeks uh, has you know I, I, my opinion of Virginia Tech has has done a one eighty since since late September, um, and they're covering like a machine. I mean they've covered everything but the Rhode Island game uh, since the Duke loss. So they're five five and one against the spread in addition to being five and one uh, over in, in overall record. Over well, when you time. look at Pittsburgh recently, uh, North Carolina, they get a close win, a game that they probably should have, a really sloppy game, game that they could have lo- easily lost. Georgia Tech, they're at, at Georgia Tech, they only win 20 to 10 and then lost to Miami and then a, a touchdown. You know, the last, wow, I, I didn't know this. They're four of their last five games, one possession games. One over Duke by a field goal, Syracuse a touchdown. Syracuse and Georgia Tech are, are bad football teams, mm-hmm. although Syracuse just crushed Duke. So uh, Duke's a very strange team. But um, have played really close games, have three losses, Miami, Penn State, and Virginia. That Virginia game was probably the worst game they played all season. Um, they went down – they were down big at UCF, and they had that second-half comeback. So kind of a strange team. Almost lost to Delaware, too. So um, – Offensively, completely different from what they were a year ago. Yeah, um, re- rebuilt the offense with the offense coordinator Mark Whipple, who uh, was Ben Roethlisberger's uh, like mentor early in his career. Um, Kenny Pickett, they're asking him to do a lot, throw a lot, um, you know, forty times a game. Um, those two running backs that that crushed uh, Virginia Tech are gone. I asked Brian Mitchell about what he expects, and he said, "Well, they don't have a, a two hundred sixty pound tailback that runs a four five, so uh, pretty pleased about that." Um, uh, so yeah, it's a very strange Pittsburgh team. I, I could I could see it being a very close game. I could see it coming down to the fourth quarter, but I just think you know you just you have to think that with the momentum on Virginia Tech's back, that it will take a misstep by them to lose the game. Yeah, and you know fans will not like this jinxing, but what Hooker has not turned the ball over or hasn't thrown an interception. Hasn't yet. thrown an interception. Uh, there was that uh, that couple fumble, fumbles, yeah, yeah. a couple fumble. So I mean, that, of course, if you start having those issues, things change in a hurry. I mean, that's what really plagued uh, Ryan Willis when he was the starter, and and it, it hurt the team. So uh, you you just never really can, uh, yeah, because he almost I think he almost threw one. Against Georgia Tech, that was his probably worst throw yeah. uh, um, of the season. Yeah, threw into coverage, kind of threw back off his. I, off, I thought it was off his back foot and threw kind of behind him, and then just it was almost right. Guy should have caught, should have yeah. intercepted it. But that was, I mean, one in five games. Uh, I mean, this is a team that what? I mean, Ryan Willis was throwing more interceptions than completions for those first couple games, so they'll take it. So yeah, he hasn't made a lot of bad throws. No, and I like his decision making. He gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. He he knows when to throw it away. He knows when to run. So uh, you have to feel pretty good about what the what the Hokies are bringing out there. All right, you want to get to our pick three and then do our 
our predictions. Yeah. Or is there any, anything uh, else about Pitt you want to know? No, that's, that, Pittsburgh is uh, – it'll be an interesting game, I think. I, I think, think before, close game. before we get to the pick three, I, I want to talk a little bit about Virginia. I know tom- I know next week we're going to talk exclusively about Tech and Virginia, but um, interesting to me that they're, they're, there's, like, videos coming out on social media from Virginia's uh, – uh, account basically, you know, talking about how they want to beat Tech and all this. I mean, they got to play Liberty <laughs> first. That line's sixteen and a half. That's you know, it's not you know thirty or it's not fifty like you're seeing Ohio State Rutgers. You know, like that. But does it matter at all? Do you think uh, what they do against Liberty? I mean, do you would you even play your starters against Liberty? I, mean, I, I would not play Bryce Perkins more than half of football yeah. with the way that they've well, offensive lines play. Let's say you're up three. Three points at half. You you keep them in there, right? I guess. I mean, Secure I guess because you're trying to get to the Orange Bowl. That like, if a loss, um, a loss would probably really hurt your chances of a better bowl game. Like, sure. you know, they'd still have your the Coastal's fine, um, but a loss against uh, Liberty, and then even if they win Virginia Tech, make it and get crushed by Clemson, they might get fall short of the Orange Bowl then with right. that loss. Um, so they probably do want to win it, and they probably don't want to go into Virginia Tech with that loss hanging over their heads. But I just think you got to get up a little early and and get out, you know, get get Perkins out of there. That would be the goal, of course. I, I heard uh, Dennis Dodd today, or it was actually yesterday, talking about the, if if there's no ranked team behind uh, the ACC. Yeah, I, I tweeted this too right after it happened uh, last week on the conference call. Because the the way the the way the ACC bowl games uh, like the agreements and everything's worded on the on the thing, it says the Orange Bowl gets the the next ranked team if one of the teams goes to the playoff. Right. Um, but then the playoff committee, based on the playoff r- rankings, and so the playoff committee said, well, um, if there's no second team in the ACC, we won't keep ranking the teams. We mm-hmm. just do the top twenty five or whatever. I think there is a scenario where they keep ranking them, but it's not. It has nothing to do with the Orange Bowl, and so then it would be up the Orange Bowl's discretion to pick a team if there's no team ranked in the top twenty-five, and that there's really no sort of guidelines for how that. It's like up to their committee. There's no sort of set in stone like you take the team with the best record or take the team with top. There's or just who's also receiving votes. Yeah, twenty-eighth th- or whatever. Yeah, there's no, um, no nothing in place for that scenario. So. I mean, a lot of people have pointed out, like, if Virginia Tech wins out, then loses to Clemson, would they be in the top 25? Maybe. I mean, they're they're not in the playoff rankings right now. They're in the AP poll. They're not in the coaches' poll, <laughs> mostly because Justin Fuente didn't vote for his team. <laughs> they were one vote away. But um, so they'll be a border team, uh, you know, right on the border if they even won out in the regular season. I mean, if they lose a game, they're not going to. Virginia, uh, not as even close as Virginia Tech right now. Um, oh, I think depending on what happens with the rest of the the teams. I mean, if you beat Pittsburgh and you beat I think Virginia, Virginia t- well, I think I think you're about 16th or something in the in the AP poll. Uh, well, I mean, no, the play it's the you're playoff rankings. You're a nine win squad. I, I mean, I, you've beaten two quality opponents. I mean, they're and, not ranked now, so they'd have two weeks. Well, they're ranked in the AP poll, but they're 25th in the AP poll. But I think the only right. thing that matters is the playoff rankings. So, oh, okay. So I All think right. it would. Uh, so they they'd have to like jump in. I think if you win this week, they get 25, beat Virginia maybe 20. Um, but if they get crushed by 50 against Clemson, right. you know, you go. I think you might drop right back down. Gotcha. I, I think it'd I be a borderline you. team right at that point. Right. And I think everybody else around that level, you know, you talk about uh, Miami, I guess, has an outside chance of making it, Pittsburgh, Virginia, um, all in that same kind of just 
right at the borderline right now. But then your face, I mean, you know, nobody's giving a chance against Clemson. Um, and if Clemson demolishes the, any of those teams, they fall right back out. So then it creates a very interesting scenario for the bowl games with the Orange Bowl. Who do they pick? Fan bases will be upset probably. No, I mean, really, it should be the Coastal to the team that loses in, you know, the championship. So if it doesn't go to that team, it'll be kind of a, a wild scenario. I mean, I know we all assume that Clemson's going to whack whoever, whoever gets there. But I think that, you know, maybe we shouldn't make that assumption. I mean, uh, like – I don't, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, look, what, what UNC was a blocked field goal or something away from missed two point uh, conversion. Mean, but it, since it, then, here let's go, let's go to the numbers. So, okay, yeah, they're winning by three touchdowns or more against everybody. Uh, uh, so okay, they're so really good. Uh, they're twenty one twenty. They beat uh, North Carolina. Since then, forty five fourteen over Florida State. Forty five ten over Louisville. Fifty nine to seven over Boston College. Killed but none of those teams would win the Coastal 55, Division. 55-10 over North Carolina State. They, and then they suck. 52-3 over Wake Forest. Okay, that's impressive. I mean, that's impressive. But, I mean, I, I And think, then they have think, South Carolina in two weeks. I think, and that's it. I don't know. Virginia or Virginia Tech, I think, could keep it closer than that. Let's just put it that way. I, I, mean, their last, I don't think they're going to lose by 50. They, <laughs> play, they played two close games this year. Texas A&M, 24-10. I never really were in threat of losing that in North Carolina. That's it. The rest have been just dominant. When everybody looked at that slow start with those two close games, but since then they've – I mean, it, it's not a very good schedule. Yeah. No, that, that's, so, I mean, that's they haven't they... beaten anybody, but really – I mean, Texas A&M is really it. But um, it's, it'd be hard to kind of say <laughs> – well, the line's going to be three touchdowns against whoever. It's you know, it's going to be twenty something like that. I wonder what I don't know what it was last year with Pittsburgh. I, I, I imagine it was it was healthy. It was like I, I think imagine, it was like eighteen. I imagine it'd be around the same. But when, yeah, when the Hokies played him in twenty sixteen, I think it was ten and a half. Um, I think it'd be bigger this year if the Virginia Tech plays them. We'll see. I mean, I, I yeah, probably. I but I mean, so. if if Tech whacks Pittsburgh, which I don't. We'll get to our predictions in a minute. I don't Have you been watching a lot of mobster movies? Whack. <laughs> Whacking day. Uh, okay. All right. Let's get to our pick. Call the whack. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I mentioned Mandalorian last week. I think this is going to become a weekly recap of Mandalorian on my pick three. The second episode. Spoiler alert. The spec, second. I won't spoil it. Second episode was very, very short. Oh, like 33 minutes, even though it's supposed to like be like an hour drama show. Um, but still really, really fun and really, really good. Um, story is still very slight, but... Uh, the production values, it doesn't look like a TV show. It looks like a movie. And um, a lot of fun. Um, I've been very down on Star Wars uh, with the new trilogy and haven't really enjoyed any of the, the stuff that they've done. Um, but this is really cool and fun. And um, I think it's I think, I think think Star Wars fans that haven't enjoyed kind of the last two movies um, will really enjoy this one. As I'll just in next week. So now there's been two episodes. There are new episodes every Friday. Um, I won't spoil anything for the first two episodes. Next week I will start spoiling it in my weekly Mandalorian recap. Okay, so you you have fair warning you out there. Fair right? warning now. You have two weeks to catch uh, up. My first one. I I've been catching up on the latest season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is who you are <laughs> is my favorite show that's currently on. I don't count the Simpsons. Simpsons is my favorite show ever, but it's not the same anymore. It's not as good. Uh, as, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this previous editions of this podcast. But uh, there's an episode where uh, Rob McEnany, McElhenney, uh is shirtless. Uh, the, the episode where they, um, the global warming thing. And That's the only one I've missed so far this season. Have you not seen that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Seen that uh, 
Well, Mac, he plays Mac. Mac is absolutely ripped. And I'm not sure if he's taking HGH or he's doing whatever in addition to his uh, workouts. But uh, Mac is 42 years old. Rob is 42 years old. Okay, I'm 42 years old. Like, and, and of course, Mac had that one season where he got fat. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was huge. I, I'm not as fat as I've always, like uh, previous iterations of me have been fatter, but I'm also not anywhere near uh, Rob. But I think I think Rob is inspirational in that regard and that he is 42 years old. I'm 42 years old. It can be done. You may need a little phys- uh, chemical enhancement as well as uh, the discipline. Uh, probably chips and queso are not the way to go if you want to get that way, but uh, – Kudos to Mac for for getting it done in his early forties. He did looks good. See, did you see last year's episode, the time up, times up episode last year? I think I saw them all. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. And then the last episode where he danced was very good too. Um, my second one, I I usually don't like Seth Meyers. I don't watch his late night show, but he did a he had a new stand up special on Netflix. Um, a lot was made that they added like a skip politics button on there, but. Um, it was pretty funny, but the best part about it was he does he he, do, he he's married his uh, young children. He does a lot about marriage, and so like the first like thirty minutes is about his marriage and his and him and his wife and their battles. But then he circles back at the end and does the last ten minutes ish as his wife talking about kind of the same things he was talking about from his perspective in the first half hour. Uh, and it was very clever and very funny. Um, and that part was really good. Um, and as you, if you've been married for a long time. Um, you'd understand a lot of the now, uh, how long the have humor. you been married? Oh, <laughs> ten years. Ten years. Ten years. It's pretty good run. Yeah, we get, we're going to celebrate our twentieth next year. Twenty. Yeah. So double. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a lot that's of. The years. only reason I asked is I want to one up you there. No, you I'm did. You did. <laughs> uh, my second one: the U.S. men's soccer team had a baby. You know, everyone's writing them off when we lost up there in Canada. And then, you know, rightfully so, people were upset, but they were all like, fire the coach, fire the manager. I mean, this is bull. And then, you know, they go out and whack uh, Canada on Saturday night uh, while we uh, watched it uh, at the hotel. Uh, we whacked them. And then we whacked Cuba as expected. We should whack Cuba. It was in a neutral site. So now we're in the, we're in the final four of the Nations League, and that's good. That's good progress. Uh, I'm, I'm happy – that they turned it around. They didn't just completely go off the rails. Uh, next year's World Cup qualifying, of course, will be much more important than these games, but it is good to see a spark out of the U.S. men's national team. All right, my third one. You missed out. You guys <laughs> saw. To that. <laughs> I have nothing. I have no, literally nothing. Those <laughs> words all meant nothing to me. I would not be able to contribute a single. Uh, I, I heard Canada. I know where Canada is. Yeah. I've been to Canada. Uh, Toronto's very nice. Um, my third one. So uh, after the game Saturday night, very late. I uh, needed to get some food, hadn't eaten all day a- in Atlanta, and we go to this place, uh, Tiny Lou's. Now, it's very, it's very, uh, uh, it's in the Hotel Claremont, um, uh, French-style kind of hotel. Reminded me of something out of New Orleans. You guys were not impressed. It was not your scene. Uh, it was apparently not light. There was not, there not enough light bulbs on. There were not enough TVs with, with reality television shows on them. <laughs> so you guys bailed. And so me and one fellow beat writer stayed. No, no soccer to be right. seen on no, any of the TV. No NASCAR, no NASCAR preview. You're like, this is too much. Because they, they, the, the downstairs has like a full restaurant, and they were bu- very busy because it's Saturday night. But the bar, they have this two, this big bar, uh, a couple of rooms where you could sit and eat. So we, me, me and this other beat writer sat at the bar uh, um, and, and, and had one of the best meals that you'll ever have. Uh, steak frites, um, just unbelievable fantastic drink menu 
I would recommend Tiny Lou's to anybody that likes food um, or drink. Um, and, 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 you know, most people do, except the people we were with. And so go seek out Tiny Lou's at the Hotel Claremont um, in Atlanta. It was just un- unbelievable. Everything we ate was fantastic. Uh, like the best French fries. Like French fries, I'm like a French fry guy, and that's why I will never be in max shape. Um, and, you know, you want them crispy but not greasy and not, you know, like, you know, like like impossible to chew. They were just so good. Do you like them thin or thick? I like them thin, yeah. crisp. And these were just... They and they had this like butter sauce that was just. I mean, I know it didn't have any TVs and the light bulbs were not turned on very bright, but um, I could. I, I like. I told my wife when we got home, I'm like, we're going to Atlanta. We're just gonna leave the kids right now and go eat at a, a Tiny Lou's. Okay, uh, my rebuttal. That will be my third one. Will be my there's rebuttal no, there's to no Tiny re- Lou's. There's okay? no rebuttal. All right, so it's ten o'clock, right? We're starving. We're starving. Literally, and what's what's funny is our service was so good. We got our food within like five minutes of ordering. Okay, and it was like it looked just gorgeous. It okay. was like picturesque. All right, so we we pulled up to this place. It's pretty trendy looking. You know, everyone's you know half of our age, and and you know, and then we go to the, the Mater D, and the person's like, "Oh, we ain't got nothing for you." And it's like it, it was one of those places that it kind of felt like we were uh, in, imposing on them for wanting to dine at their establishment. And I looked at the menu and I saw like octopus for like 50 bucks. And and here's another factor. This is another factor. Uh, Brandon and I, our online guy, had eaten at the hotel uh, for breakfast. So that was like $35 for a buffet breakfast there, uh, which is pricey. Um, We have a $50 per diem cap. So like I could have done I could have done the octopus and, you know, shelled out a little bit of my own money uh, had we not had that breakfast. But I started thinking. Mm, we're going to need to go a little uh, less. My rebuttal is, is that they had a hamburger that would have, it was like a double patty for like $16 with a side, and you would have been probably I, filled. I, was, I also looked at the taps and I said, I don't, I don't recognize any of those. I, I, you know, I, when we went, we ended up. You in don't a, need a tap for whiskey. We ended up in a place called Tacos and Tequilas. Uh, got some big Dos Equis drafts and uh, some some uh, cheese, uh, some queso fundido. As I told you last week, that would be my last meal. Um, it was really good. It was really good. But, uh, yeah, it just – the, the ceilings in there were kind of low. I was feeling a little claustrophobic in the there. The ceilings were low. It uh, felt like – so, like, New Orleans is, like, the best place in the world. I love New Orleans. And so if you like New Orleans, you like that because it felt, like, right out of the French Quarter. It was fantastic. The atmosphere was great. The bar was really cool. The atmosphere cool. was not great. Oh, it was so we're, good. We're, no, we're, we're never, so we'll never good. come to terms on this It was one. so good. Like, you know, it was just it – was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Let me ask you this. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you enjoy the bar scene? Like No, no, but I will the, I, I enjoy sitting at a bar and having like a beautiful beautifully made like that they had the huge <laughs> ice cube and the whiskey and like those ice cubes cost like a dollar a piece and like you're sitting at the bar it's got all it's like all the whiskeys on the and like the beer and like the old school bar something out of like the you know nineteen thirties. Um I don't like the bar scene in the sense like, you know, like standing up and trying to get a drink yeah, but no. we were we had seats there were six seats at the bar we had space but, it was but good I, but look i mean it's it's different strokes for different folks when i was in college you know on the baseball team that's what you did you went out and you you, st- and you didn't have to be on a baseball team but that's what we did on the road too i mean people would go out and, and find a bar and stuff themselves into it you know into a mass of people you can't get a drink because it's too hard to get the attention of the bartender um that and that is some people's idea of a good time. My idea of a good time would be to sit at a nice roomy table 
you know, with some ales and some uh, some some cheese dip. I, that's some, that sounds like a good time. I don't disagree with that. And it was a little, um, uh, you know, it, it couldn't have been a shade lighter. Yeah, but well, no, I, I think after the four of us left, you guys were able to spread out a little more, and that probably helped your experience in something because they uh, were going to no, scrunch us really close. It was. It would have been fine. It would. We had enough space. You don't want to eat next to issue. me. Nobody wants to eat next to me. Uh, it's fine. I, it like the food was so good. I would have eaten that food like. Hanging upside down. <laughs> I don't know how I would have done it, but I would have, I would have tried to make it happen. Um, it, was, it was that good. And then I think there's a difference. What you're talking about, like, it got, like, by 11 o'clock, midnight, that wouldn't have been a place that I would have gone to because it got... Oh, it was getting know, that way? It was getting, it was getting yeah. pretty pretty, pretty intense. But at, you know, 9.30, when there was a couple people enjoying themselves and it was kind of a chill, there wasn't loud music. Now, that's a key difference, right? Because, like, anytime I go into a place and there's, like, lot, like the Georgia Tech, this was a, the Georgia Tech had the worst DJ in the world. It was, like, EDM, like, it was, like, it yeah. was, like, seizure-inducing music. If that, I walked into Tiny Lou's and that was blaring, it would have been, I would have probably been with you guys. Okay. Um, but, but since there was no, the sound, sound is my thing. Like, like I'm with my, my youngest son, hates loud noises. And so, like, that would have gotten me to leave. But the fact that it was a little dark and <laughs> there was some people there. Did not bother me because I think you when you go to a, like a restaurant like where it's casual you're gonna get people and you're gonna get noise so I was like it was just so good it was so good well I guess my my daughter uses the term hangry you know when you're yeah hung, my wife when you're hungry angry, and yeah. you're angry at the same time because you're hungry that's why you're angry like I was just like I, I mean I would have liked I, needed something I guess I would have liked you know you guys were just sort of like. Nope, and then disappeared. I would have guessed I like that more communicated. Me and Norm were just like, I guess we're staying because we don't even know where they went. That's, I mean, that was kind of rude, but I mean, we could save that <laughs> discussion for another day. Um, you know, when you it go as rude. a group, it, 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 was go as a, it was you go as a group, you kind of communicate your feelings, and you guys were just like, uh, that's you know. I think I think there's French words on the menu. No, but no, no. I steak frites is steak and potatoes, which is as American as one. Can I think get. what mitigated the rudeness was the fact that they could not seat us anywhere. And well, they, they could. They, they just you guys weren't happy sitting at the bar, um, right? Which is not. But you should have communicated that. I think. Well, that was, I think that was. It was obvious that was well when you guys were like yep bye <laughs> that was obvious that you were leaving it was a number we of did not know where you were headed so i guess we really have a choice if we were eating tiny lose no matter what because <laughs> the rest of our group had just just disappeared into the thin air of the atlanta so glad they, you guys they, i will say they had loud music at tacos and tequila see that that yeah, i would have been see, like you I did the right thing you did fuming the right thing. that I think we, we all left all this quiet beautiful <laughs> French inspired bar for this loud noise. Maybe, you know, it's like you guys wanted to watch TV. And it's like we just got done watching three hours of football. We watched oh, football I didn't all care day. About the TVs. I mean, it, we, although we did get to see the end of that, uh, I guess it was the L- oh, no, Oklahoma Alabama. Baylor. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, I, I didn't care that much, but it, it was cool. That if you're getting the greatest steak freeze you can get. <laughs> okay. All right, predictions. We need to get to predictions. I just want to talk about French fries. <laughs> Prediction. You want to go first? You go first. Sure. Uh, I'm riding with the Hokies. I'm riding the Hokie train. I'll go 35-20. 35-20. That's too many points, isn't it? Uh, let me, let me, yeah. Because I, I told people earlier this week I liked the under, and the under over-under is like 47, so I better I better shut my mouth on that. Uh, let me go back down. Let me let me scale that back. I'm already changing your 23, pick. 23-13. How's that sound? That's a big difference, but that's where I'm going. All right, so we got six predictions from Aaron. So I'll go. <laughs> All want, of them have Virginia Tech covering. Pi- you don't want to take Pittsburgh for one of them just to cover your bases? 
Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. I'm going to take Virginia Tech 28, Pittsburgh 20. I think Virginia 20. Tech wins. And covers. And, and this was, you know, I said way back when, um, I wasn't going to take Virginia Tech other than the um, – they need to earn my pick back, my, com- my right. confidence. And I s- certainly think they have done that. I, it's capable of them doing the opposite again because, you know, you really, when you went to that Georgia Tech game, you're like, are they going to win? I mean, right. are they, no, you, no. I picked the blowout, but it's like, I mean, could they, was there a possibility? Because every time you kind of feel good that this team is kind of rolling in the right direction, they just sort of like show up and be like, we, like, it's kind of like always sunny in Philadelphia with that wild, Charlie the wild card, where it's like yeah. wild card and he opens, <laughs> jumps out the back of the van. It's like you kind of worry, worry about that's what they're going to do. And with the ACC Coastal, where sort of, up is down and left is right, and you know, um, the only team that does what you think they're going to do is Georgia Tech because they lose. Uh, you know, who knows? That's a great point, and that circles us back to what we started the podcast with: why that forty-five nothing win was so impressive because they didn't show any. They didn't of, do wild card. Any they of that, stayed, any of that vulnerability, band, yeah. exactly. Um, okay, well, what what are your holiday plans? Are you going anywhere for Thanksgiving? My wife and kids are going to Michigan, so I will be alone in a quiet house. Okay, so we can tape the podcast anytime. We could tape. We could tape. We could tape a long podcast. We, we could just, just, we just, just go, go on and on, yeah, on and on. on. Um, and but that that. The problem is, is I don't know what will be open on Thanksgiving. I'll be by myself. It'll be very sad and lonely. I won't have Tiny Lou's to try to find. Um, so I'm going to have to try to find something. I tell you, I can open my, my, my closet, my bedroom closet, and then put a little uh, table in there, cook some French fries for you. And, if you uh, could cook French fries like that, <laughs> I would eat them in your closet. Um, but, yeah, so I'm looking for a place to eat on Thanksgiving. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to cook. So maybe go see a movie because I'll be all alone. It'll be sad. So. And then we have to get up at like whatever time in the morning to go make this twelve o'clock noon. You're not a fan of that, are you? I think it's terrible. I thought that was the worst possible. I thought it was three thirty. I don't. I thought, I thought that was previously announced that it's three thirty. So I was really disappointed that it was noon because I was just like, "That's a three thirty game." Well, we'll appreciate it. No prime time games this year. We'll appreciate it around six o'clock. But I, I agree with you. It's a tough turnaround after Thanksgiving to get up right early and go but i'm a morning guy you know that so i mean it'll, it'll be fine for me i think it's a little tough on fans that plan to go um so i, I can uh, feel for them uh you know if you're traveling or if you're uh visiting family and you, you want to get to the game it's not going to be very easy so i don't know if that'll affect the uh the crowd at all i mean the virginia tech uh contingent there i mean we can talk more about that next yeah. week but uh, all right well that that should just about do it uh for today uh tiny lose uh, they, they should comp they, your next they meal they did not pay for the advertising i'm gonna I say they should very clear um they did not pay for any sort of kind words these were all my own um, all right but and but i think the moral lesson is if you're eating with friends try to be better than aaron and all that <laughs> that's fair all right, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoy the game this weekend. We And uh, don't forget to check out our Bud Foster section on Saturday. If you're not a subscriber, if you are a subscriber, it'll come to your home. If it, if you're not, go out and buy one. You'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's something you can hang on to for a long time, and I think uh, fans will really, really get a lot out of it. So for Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarlane. We will see you next week. <laughs>